right, welcome everybody to the Silver Screen and Roll podcast. The Lakers did it. The Anthony Davis trade is finally done. I'm your host, Harrison Fagan. I was at Disneyland yesterday when this trade broke. It blew up my entire day, Um, but it's finally done. Our long national nightmare is finally over. Lakers fans can rest easy, kind of. I mean, we're going to get into why kind of when we talk about the terms of the deal. But this thing is finally done. We don't have to wait it out through free agency. We don't have to wait it out through August. The terms have been agreed to. And there's no way that once the Lakers are close with a candidate or getting a deal done that things fall apart. That definitely didn't happen with Tyron Lue earlier this summer. Um, as always, you can subscribe to the Silver Screen Roll podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And joining me today is Jeff Siegel, of, uh, who is of Early Bird Rights and many, many other sites. Uh, Jeff, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? I'm, it's going all right. I'm confused, which is actually why you're here, because um, I wanted to bring on someone who understood the cap a little bit better than me, because this deal has been the most I've ever heard about like deferment, the cap, leverage, how, like just I've seen the most misunderstanding of how leverage works, of how the cap works, of how I had never even honestly heard of pick deferments until this trade started to happen. And like there's just a lot of confusing cap mechanics. And then in terms of how this deal relates to the Lakers cap. So I wanted to bring you on. And before we go too much further, the bird rights is not a Pelicans blog or uh, early bird rights is not a Pelicans blog. That is the bird rights. I just don't want Jeff to get blamed for the bad take sphere that is Pelicans Twitter. This is not like there's no, the bird is in relation to bird rights, I assume, right? Yes. Early bird rights is in relation to, if you have a player under contract for two years, then you have what's called early bird rights on that player you can do stuff with him that's interesting. But yeah, that's where I got the name for the site. It's a cap-based website. You can see all of the, uh, all 30 team salary cap information is up there. I do articles that relate to the cap and do, you know, articles related to other things. And that's, that's the website. Yes. And so I wanted to get that out of the way before you rage quit the pod, like Lakers fans rage quit the podcast because I brought someone who was tweeting that the Lakers package was trash and then talking about how they heisted the team like a day later um, onto the podcast right after the Anthony Davis trade. That is not what's happening, but it is a confusing transaction, I think, because obviously the Lakers gave up a lot. We knew they were going to give up a lot. I want to get into exactly how much they gave up. So we initially, we immediately knew that it was Lonzo, it was Brandon Ingram, it was Josh Hart, it was three first round picks, including the number four overall pick in next week's draft. So that's already like quite a bit. And uh, so then we got into like a little bit more specifics on the picks. And there's a, t- the, there's a 2021 pick that is top eight protected. This is per Tanya Ganguly of the LA Times. The 2021 pick is top eight protected and it becomes unprotected in 2022. There's an unprotected pick swap in 2023, unprotected pick in 2024, and an unprotected swap in 2020. Hold on. Uh, clarification. So the 2021 pick goes to New Orleans if it's in the top eight. If not, they'll get an unprotected first in 2022. There's a swap in 2023. It looks like that's unprotected. There's an unprotected first in 2024 with a right to defer to 2025. So I'm I, my understanding of the 2024 pick is that if it is not bad enough, the Pelicans can say, well, we want to defer that one more year, correct? Yeah, so the, the okay. Pelicans will have to make that choice in advance of the 2024 draft. They'll have to just basically tell the league or tell the Lakers, you guys can keep this one. We're going to roll the dice that you guys are worse in 2025. But there's not it's it's not necessarily like a pick swap and they don't they don't get to make that choice knowing, of course, what 2025 is going to hold. It's just 
do they want to take 2024 or roll the dice on 2025? So I'm assuming you knew this was a thing before today, right? Because I did not. We've seen this, I think, from my memory, we've seen this once. We saw this in 2001 with the Fran Vasquez trade when he was brought to Orlando or the pick that became Fran Vasquez was brought to Orlando. That trade, that trade with Detroit had some sort of deferment in it. I mean, that was, I mean, I was nine at that point, so I don't totally, I, I was wasn't say, like, that's I was, incredible that you remember that. I, I looked this up yesterday. Oh, look, okay. So I, all right. I, and so I think that's the one time that I can remember, or the one time that I believe deferment has been part of a, a pick trade like this. Um, but because usually it's usually teams want to know what they're deferring into, like a pick swap, you know, you know, do you want to swap? Is it better or worse for you if you swap? So like that makes sense. And so that's what teams usually go for. And it makes sense for both sides. Whereas this is sort of the Pelicans have the chance they can roll the dice if they want to, you know, defer it to 2025. If not, they could just keep it in 24. It also hurts the Lakers because now they can't trade their 2026 first round pick until the the, the Pelicans oh, make the decision in 24. That's true. Because, I had not even thought about that specific ramification of it, but that is true because you can't trade picks in back-to-back years. So if they if there's even a chance they defer it to 2025, you can't. Okay, that makes sense. That's that's an, It's another like part of this kind of complicated web that this trade is. And I, I've heard a lot of people, obviously we knew, again, I've, I've said this before, we knew the Lakers were going to give up a lot to get Anthony Davis, even though it seemed like they were kind of bidding against themselves. But I think they had to pay a Lakers tax a little bit. I think they had a lot of motivation to get it done and not waste another year of LeBron's prime. I think David Griffin knew that and was willing to kind of gamble that they would blink first and it would seem that they did. And I, I've heard a lot of people kind of dismiss this package as like, oh, well, that's, they're going to be too late first or like two or two more late first rounders that convey. But to me, like, you know, once you start talking about, you're talking about 2021, 2022, 2023, like that, that doesn't sound very far off. And then especially 2024 and possibly 2025, the Lakers may have Anthony Davis by those points. They probably, like they probably will. Cause he's going to resign. And I, you know, we don't know exactly how long because rich Paul clients have a tendency to kind of figure out what's going to get them the most money. And they don't always take the predictable, like I'm going to sign a big long-term deal uh, route. So we don't know if Anthony Davis will be around. It seems almost certain that LeBron won't be around for the last couple of those. That's a really far out to trade picks. And this could end up looking pretty bad for the Lakers. Although I do think like, I, I, I want to, ask you for your thoughts on this Jeff like overall and just how much they gave up in a second like I do think for me I think it was worth it still to probably make the trade because especially after the injuries and the finals leave the west in particular looking more wide open than ever and especially if you know we'll get into more about the cap stuff in a little bit but there's a chance that they could figure out a way to make this so they can get another max free agent but I mean it's a lot to give up but I think that you have to you couldn't waste another year of LeBron's prime you have to take advantage of this window while you have it because even you can say keep the kids grow naturally whatever you never know that the that the young core that they traded away is going to grow into as good of a chance at getting to the finals as LeBron gives you as long as you surround him with the right help so I I think this is a worthwhile it albeit dangerous gamble like what did you think about the trade when it came down and you started to see all the details of the package I mean, the, the risk is entirely on the Lakers now because, like, this has to pay off for them in, in a pretty big way. But, like, this is what you have to give up to get one of the seven to eight best players in the world. 
Like this is not unless you're any team other than the Lakers, like you know, like the Raptors or um, you know, the Thunder or whatever. I mean, but even that, like Paul George at the time was not at that level. Like that's he's true. Not, that's fair. He's not at the level that he's at right now, even where he's maybe the ninth, tenth, eleventh best player in the world, depending on where you where you have him. And Kawhi, he was. I mean, he was you, coming off the injury, but yeah, you, if you knew that he was going to be Kawhi Leonard, then he doesn't go for this kind of package. He goes for yeah. much, much more like what, you know, like what the, uh, the Anthony Davis package was. He had just played nine games, was coming off of the, the weird injury that was still not, not like totally clear whether it was ever going to get better. And like, it's yeah. even now it's sort of a little bit weird of like, he can play, but he's not going to play back to back. So he's really just a playoff player and is going to play, you know, 50 to 60 games a year. Like it, so it's. It's still even a little bit weird for Kawhi Leonard, but you know, this time last year we had no idea what Kawhi Leonard was going to be. Like we had no idea no. if he was ever going to be, you know, a top ten player again. Obviously, that turned around, you know, super super well for the Raptors. Anthony Davis doesn't have any of those concerns. Like Anthony Davis is a top eight player at minimum. Yeah, I so, think that's fair. You know, you have to. This is what you give up for a guy like that. Like it's just that's how it, how it goes. Yeah, I mean, were you still, like, the swaps that far out? That, that's the only part that really concerns me about this. Because, like, the first, the like, the, the 2021 pick, they'll be fine by then. The, like, the 2023 pick, um, they'll most like, I'm sure, I'm doing the math in my head of where that leaves them. Like, Davis will probably still be there, and you'd think that they would have had some help for him. So that'll probably be, like, fine, the swap there. The, the one that really, I guess, really, the elephant, the worrisome possible long-term complication is that 2024 2025 because in nba years that's a long time uh to just throw stuff out there and you know davis could get unhappy and leave he could god forbid he could end up having injury issues that he's dealt with throughout throughout his career get worse we've seen that in larger players like him that move around and are very mobile um that, that, I guess that's the part that concerns me. And I just don't feel like they should have had to give up this much. Because you can say, like, that's what you pay for a top 10 player. But I don't know that Rob Palinka necessarily leveraged this the best way that they could have. Because it's like, when you looked at the rest of the market, it seemed like most of them, like Rich Paul had mostly managed to scare off the other suitors, especially Boston was the big one. And I guess when you speak on the record as an agent in a Sports Illustrated cover story, I guess that ends up speaking louder than like leaks of, you know, he doesn't want to go there. His dad says, you know, to ESPN that he doesn't want to go there. Like, I I think that ultimately probably scared Boston off. And it seemed like they had successfully driven the market down to the point that the Lakers shouldn't have necessarily had to give up all of this stuff. Yeah, I mean, if in a vacuum, I feel like the the trade makes sense for both sides. The fact that it, you know, obviously nothing happens in a vacuum. Yeah. The what they actually gave up compared to what the market sort of was looking like it was shaping up to be is a lot more than than I expected. I mean, I certainly when it broke, this was a massive haul for for the for the New Orleans Pelicans. Like it, that's that was the the overarching reaction that I had that they just they made out like bandits because they were not they were not supposed to be able to to do something like this when a star demands a trade that the, the their incumbent team is not supposed to get full value they got full value and the lakers are you know to have to feel at least like you know they they paid their full value they paid you know a bunch of of coins to make up the dollar and it, it adds up to a you know basically a full dollar you know, did they have to pay, you know, that, that entire dollar to get, you know, the dollar that is Anthony Davis? You know, I don't know. It depends on, you know, how, how much they knew about what exactly, 
the uh, the the Celtics were offering, how many other teams are in there that we ne- will never hear about? You know yeah. how how many other you know the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, the Nets, all of these teams who sort of especially the Western Conference teams who are sort of right on the cusp of competing, the Nets, the uh, the Nuggets and the, the Trailblazers come to mind. Those teams might be looking at the West the same way the Lakers are, like, hey, this is open, like, we can get there, you know? So I think those teams might have been in there. We're not going to hear about that because, you know, or, you know, maybe we will, but we certainly haven't heard about it yet. That's sort of where maybe the Lakers got scared off a little. Maybe they heard that, that uh, some of those teams were involved more so than the Celtics were. Obviously, the Celtics were the big sort of anchor on the other side of the trade that they could always, you know, at any time they could be like, yeah, Jason Tatum's on the table, and then Anthony Davis is a Celtic for next year. And, you know, like you said, they can't waste uh, another year of, of LeBron's prime. He's, you know, at the back end of that prime, to, to put it, you know, mildly, he's, he's certainly on the back end. And, and putting, you know, putting another young team around him that is not, you know, ready to compete for championships just, you know, really was not an option. Yeah, and, like, ultimately, I don't want to get carried away in criticizing the deal because, at least not yet, but, like, but ultimately, this is not that dissimilar from what they offered at the trade deadline. I guess it basically comes down to what you think of the swaps and stuff like that. And, like, now that it's officially the number four pick, I guess that does change things. But the Lakers were offering this same package of young players plus three firsts plus coups at the deadline. So, like, it depends on what you think of Kyle Kuzma. And, like, they do get to keep him. That's not nothing. Like, whatever you think of him, if you think he's a little overrated, underrated, whatever, he's still, like, a decent young player. And he will, you know, be able to play a role for this team probably. And so it just depends on what you think of him versus those swaps. I would honestly, like, rather have the long-term security and, like, not have that, like, potentially really, really harmful grenade coming to down to hurt you down the line. But that's just me personally. I guess maybe they felt like they couldn't get requisite value, uh, like, replace coups with requisite value with the cap space that they were going to have left after they either go after big names or after they go after whatever role players what they'll have with the cap space that they have left yeah i mean i think the the point of getting anthony davis in the last few years of, of lebron's you know prime here is to put the best team around him right now so if you have to give up a first round pick in 24 or 25 in order to keep a role player who you think fits well with the new the new world order in, in Los Angeles that I think makes sense and, and you know I would not in a vacuum Kyle Kuzma is not worth a 2024 first round pick but for them if that's the decision that was made that it was either the pick or an extra player in Kuzma going earlier in terms of having that value right now makes sense because they're all in on the present as it is with yeah, LeBron and- with Anthony Davis you know with the fact that they did not give up give away their their 2020 pick that the fact that they didn't do that they could have but they didn't because they know we need to be in the draft next year get another young guy and and try to play for the present and and just send everything out in the future that we can yeah and you know like ultimately this may not be Rob Polinka's job at that point anyway so that may <laughs> not be his primary concern like you know we've seen it, we see lots of general turnovers in executives that's not to like ne- imply anything necessarily specific about him but we've also seen that the Lakers have been relatively unstable over the last couple of years and you know he may be making this deal in mind of like this is going to save my job or this is going to give me a good enough team that we can you know put some butts in seats and we can take a shot in the Western Conference and that may ultimately be all they wanted but it does also explain the complication of this deal that has been like the elephant in the room during this whole time that we've been talking are the cap complications of this deal 
I have never thought so much about, you know, when exactly a deal goes down and the timeline of it and agreeing to when exactly a deal is going to happen. Because most of the time when you agree to a trade, I would say in probably 95% of NBA cases, like it just happens, you know, and we're in the one time of year where the timing really, really matters, I think in my eyes. And right now, like, I'm actually just going to let you explain this because I'm just going to butcher, I'm going to paraphrase your explanation and butcher it anyway. So why is this like this deal at first it appeared that they were giving up all this because you were getting Anthony Davis and the opportunity to sign a second max, which is people thought that they would push the Anthony day, like the actual date of the trade off so that they could sign a max player and then send guys out uh, and then complete the trade. But it seems like that might be a little bit in jeopardy. There's been some reporting that that's uh, Tanya Ganguly of the LA times actually said that it's unlikely that uh, the Laker, that the Pelicans wait around on the Lakers to until like I think it's July 30th to make this deal and help them free up max cap space. So what are the cap consequences of that? Because this is actually more devastating than I expected. Yeah, I mean, this is the biggest. I mean, it's obviously it's not the biggest part of the trade for me as a, as a super nerd on the on the cap stuff. It's the <laughs> most interesting part of the trade um, to me, because when you have a trade like this, when you have any trade, during the year, it's just it happens as soon as it's announced. I mean, as soon as it's announced, maybe the next day they have the trade call and then everybody goes to their new teams and everybody's happy. And even when you saw, you know, off-season trades that need to happen in the new league year, those always happen on July 6th, right after the moratorium ends, because everybody can use their new cap space to take on players. We saw that with the Hawks and the Nets trade from you know about a week and a half ago that was agreed on Ju- on June 6th, but will not go through until July 6th when uh, when the Hawks have enough cap space to take on Alan Crabb. When you agree to trades this time of year, July 6th is the trigger date on those trades. Like that's just that's how it is in 99% of cases. But this is the 1% of cases where it really would have been nice, or it still may be nice, depending on if the Lakers can convince the Pelicans to do it. It really would be great for the for the Lakers to push that trade back until July 30th, and that's because of their you know very hyper specific cap situation. They can they could essentially have operated throughout the month of July as if the trade was not going to happen using the cap space that would have been available to them, $32.5 million. Throughout the month of July, they sign, if they want to sign Kemba Walker, if they want to sign Jimmy Butler, if they want to go after Kawhi Leonard, if they want to split that up between three $10 million players, whatever they wanted to do with $32.5 million, they could have done that throughout the month of July. And then on July 30th, once they use up all that space, they send out this exact same package with the, with the number four pick having signed his contract on July 1st, you wait the 30 days that you have to wait for, for a, a, a draft pick to be trade eligible. Then you throw everything to the Pelicans. Anthony Davis comes back and everybody's happy. But they are not, are not going to do that. And the reason that they don't want to wait the 30 days is because the Pelicans don't have to wait. The, you know, the, the, they can do the trade on July 6th as is. They take Anthony Davis into cap space that the whoever the number four pick is doesn't count for any money in the trade, whether he signed his contract on July 1st or not. Or the fact that he is in this trade means he will not sign that contract on July 1st. He will wait until he signs the, the actual contract with the Pelicans on July 7th or 8th or whatever. That, that means that they have to take him into cap space, which means they're only going to have $23.7 million left to spend on outside free agents. So that $8.9 million difference 
between what they could have had and what they are going to have. That's what everybody's been talking about today, uh, Sunday, the day after the trade. That's why the that's why the timing is is such a, a big topic of conversation. I'm not sure based on the reporting that we've sort of seen whether there was ever any discussion between the Lakers and Pelicans about the timing. And it just might have been assumed in the talks, like, we're just going to do this as soon as possible because that's how these trades usually work. But, you know, whether it was thought about and, you know, they just decided to go in this direction anyway, or they just didn't think about it, they they could have opened up a lot more space by pushing the, the trade back to July 30th. Yeah, I, I have a couple thoughts on this, but I want to take a really quick break before we get to those. Okay, so uh, you brought up a, you brought up I think the crucial point that is to be made here, other than obviously the cap implications, which you outlined well. I, I think the key thing that we need to know is like, did they just agree to this? Did they not know about like did they did both sides not know about this? I would assume David Griffin did because he did a similar trade with the Cavs where they did wait that time. I believe it was with Kevin Love um, back when he was with the Cavaliers, but like. Like, so he, he, I'm assuming knew about that. I'm assuming that Rob Polinka knew about this. He's an agent that is by all accounts, kind of a cap maven. And that's a big part of where he like, you know, th those were his plaudits when he was brought into the Lakers was that he was an expert in salary cap and he would kind of be that guy for Magic Johnson when they were supposed to be a tandem. So I, I assume that he had to have known about this, but the fact that it's, nebulous and up in the air and they haven't decided exactly when they're going to do it yet. I just don't understand how the deal is done and you've agreed to terms and everything. You're like, okay, yeah, we're good to go. This is what is going out. And you don't get some clarification on that, especially if you're Rob Palenka. My theory is that the July, and you could tell me if this is not possible under the cap or if I'm talking about something illegal. My, my theory just based on like negotiating and whatever is that they're the Lakers left this open because they're fine doing the deal on July 6th if they can't convince a max free agent and they're potentially willing to throw another asset to the Pelicans and say, okay, well, here's another pick swap. Here's another pick, like whatever it may be on July 6th, if they get someone to agree to sign with them. Uh, and then that way the Pelicans are like, okay, well, we'll move that back. But I'm not even sure that that's possible because the Pelicans by all accounts want to shop this pick and other teams that they're shopping it to aren't going to want to wait for, you know, whenever this deal goes through, they're going to want that player to play in summer league. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super complicated until, I mean, everything you're talking about is legal until the trade call is literally made to the, to the league office on either July 6th or the July 30th or August or whenever they want to do it everything's up in the air. The whole deal could fall apart, technically. I mean, at this point, because it's been reported publicly and everything, it would be very... I, I don't think that anybody's going to renege on their side of it. Nobody's going to pull out of this deal. You nobody's going to try to... The, you know, the Lakers aren't going to try to pull that 2024 pick off the table or anything like that. Like, that yeah. would be that would be such a bad look for anybody involved in that, that that's team not happening. specializes in bad looks, actually, though. So. <laughs> but you can see... If, if the Lakers want to continue to negotiate this thing, if the Pelicans want to continue to negotiate this thing, if, because they're trying to find a home for the number four pick, and if they do so before Thursday's draft, that's going to probably become a three-team trade, and then that's going to change things a little bit. And maybe at that point, that's when the, the Lakers sort of bring up, like, hey, we'd really like another $9 million to spend. Do you want to push this off till July 30th? That would require all three teams to agree, of course. That would take that player out of Summer League. That would take that player out of preseason workouts until July 30th. Like, that's after, you know, after Summer League yeah. for the next you know three weeks where the guys just has to 
can't work out with the Lakers, of course, because he's technically under contract, but they're not going to want him to work out there. So he's got to work out elsewhere. And then they're going to, you know, do the trade. And there's all sorts of risk involved with him not, you know, being under an NBA training regimen and he's doing his own thing with his own people. Like that's a whole, you know, that's a whole nother thing. He can't, you know, that player can't talk to his new team to get instruction, to get coaching, to get anything. Because technically he's a Laker. Like he's literally already signed with the Lakers on July 1st in this situation. So like there's all sorts of complications with, you know, waiting till July 30th, whether, whether that player is going to new Orleans or going to Minnesota or going to anywhere, that's, you know, those are the sorts of things that, that you have to sort of keep in mind with, with the, the Pelicans shopping around this number four pick and with waiting until July 30th, you know, whether Rob Polinka knew what was going on or not, you would have to think he did. And, and my sort of working theory at this point is that he understood that the Lakers aren't totally in the derby for those max guys. Like they want to be there. They want to say, Kemba Walker, we're going to call you on July 1st. But, you know, the, the reporting from Woj earlier in the week on, on SportsCenter, I think he, he, he said this during the mock draft special that they did, that they are not in the, the, the high running for a lot of these max free agents. And that I believe that does. Mark Stein said something similar uh, a couple times this week as these negotiations were going on as well. So, like, this is out there that guys are not le- – we're not, at least before this trade, we're not leaning towards the Lakers. Although there's been reporting since then that Kyrie Irving is interested in playing with Anthony Davis and Brooklyn's not a done deal and whatever. But, yeah. Yeah, and so, like, that's – maybe they knew that and just sort of decided, like, this is the way it is. Maybe they talked about it. Like, we don't know that Polinka and Griffin didn't haggle over this for an hour. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like the fact that it's it's kind of sounds like it's heading towards the July sixth date. That makes me think that they they both are cap savvy enough guys. I assume they talked about it and that it just that was not a point that went Polinka's way in this negotiation. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a point of negotiation, just like every pick and every player that's involved. So you know, there's I would imagine that they spoke about it and Griffin was like, okay, well if you're going to get all of this extra cap space and you're going to take up about five million of my cap space for just a month, the, the, the Pelicans would have gotten that cap space back, but it would have taken it up for, for about a month. If you're going to do that to us and you're going to get this extra 8.9 million and you're going to be able to sign a max free agent because of that 8.9 million, then I'm going to want another pick or I'm going to want Kyle Kuzma or I'm going to want this and that. So that would, I would imagine the, the, the theory for me is that that conversation happened and that Polinka just decided, okay, we'll do it on the sixth. We'll sacrifice that 8.9 million to either save a first round pick, save Kyle Kuzma, save whatever that Griffin was asking for. And they still have, you know, almost $24 million that they can spend. They can still move on from Mo Wagner. They could still move on from uh, Isaac Bonga. If they want to get some, some more Jamario money. Jamario Jones. So, Jamario, well, the 23.7 assumes that Jamario is out the door anyway. Oh, okay. Um, on my end, I just I just kind of assume that he's, if he is, then that's great, you know, good for him. I would, you know, that'd be, that would be great for him that if he got his contract guaranteed, but that then that costs them, I, I think it's about another 1.4 million. Yeah, that's right, because so, he's non-guaranteed, so you're right. So I, I sort of, I assume, you know, for from that point of view that all these sort of late season signings who sign on for another nine guaranteed year, most of those guys don't uh, don't don't stick around. He'd he'd really have to show something very special in the next few weeks for him to 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 stick around before they decide to you know move on and use their cap space elsewhere. So, you know, I would imagine that they talked about it. I know that Griffin knows this because he did it in 2014. Whether yeah. whether Polinka knew it or not is the the crux of it. 
obviously because Griffin's not going to bring it up. Like, hey, here's yeah. this extra thing you can do. Oh, you know? by the like, way, like if you want to free up max cap space, like yeah, we, we I mean, have to wait, but I don't really want to do that. Yeah, like you know, obviously the Pelicans are have an active interest in making the Lakers have few, you know, fewer dollars to spend, especially max dollars like yeah. that. You know, so like I would imagine, I would I think that they talked about it and Polinka just didn't get what he wanted out of that. Just like he didn't get what he wanted when he probably wanted to only send two first round picks and had to send three. Like it's just another piece of the negotiation. It just doesn't, it's just not obvious to us on the outside, whether they talked about it or not. Like it is obvious that they talked about Kuzma and all the picks and all the young players and you know, who, who might be coming with Anthony Davis, whether they wanted to salary dump Solomon Hill or whatever, all of that stuff we know got talked about because it's the obvious stuff that's on the table for both teams. You can see it in the receipts of the deal, like that it was talked about because like, that's how it ended up. This is like the one thing that you can't see. Right. And so we have no idea, like it may come out eventually that he, Polinka had no idea, but like we've never known Polinka as an executive and as a cap manager to not understand what he can do and what he can't do. I mean, even as, ill-fated as the signings were last summer, the order of transactions that he did and the fact that he signed, you know, Lance Stevenson to exactly the room exception and then realized, okay, we don't actually want to use the room exception on him. We're going to use the room exception on, on uh, Michael Beasley and then save that last million dollars. Like that's, he, we know that he knows what he's doing on the cap yeah. side. Whether those signings were smart or not is a whole other conversation. But like he knows what he's doing just No, and the way the Dang buyout was exactly the amount that would have gotten them a max slot this summer, very close to it, like all that stuff. Like he's shown that he knows this stuff. Honestly, what these leaks say to me is less that they didn't talk about it. And it's more that it's kind of like like the Pelicans are willing to push this back. They just want to see if the Lakers will throw something else to them. I think that's why we're hearing this publicly and that like it's become a talking point when things like this are not normally a talking point is that they're willing to kind of renegotiate that one specific part of it or take something extra and push this date back. But they just, they want the Lakers to make it worth their while because otherwise why, what what benefit does David Griffin get from doing the Lakers a favor and uh, and holding off? Like, you know, they, they need to do something to make it worth his while. That goes ditto for, like, a third team. If the Pelicans were trying to make this a three-team deal and deal that number four pick somewhere that's supposedly getting so much interest now that it's out of the Lakers' hands. And so, like, I, I think that's, to me, how I read these leaks, was, like, they're willing to do it, but it doesn't sound likely that the Lakers are willing to give up the asset. Yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, I don't think that from a, unless you knew that somebody was coming, if you knew Kyrie Irving was coming, if you knew somebody, you know, of that caliber was coming to Los Angeles, then yeah, like maybe you're interested in giving up an extra first round pick, an extra pick swap, Kyle Kuzma, whatever you need to sort of get that done. But of course, the Pelicans have zero interest in helping the Lakers get Kyrie Irving, because even a, even if LeBron is sort of out the door by 2023, 24, whenever, you know, if they have Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis still under contract, they'll still be those, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be really good. And like, you don't want, you know, you have their first round pick. So like even another first round pick, if that helps them get Kyrie Irving is like, well, that's not, that lowers the value of all of this stuff that you already gave me. So why would that's I want to do that? And, yeah. You know, and so I would think that, you know, that the David Griffin is willing to, willing to sacrifice not getting that extra stuff to really hurt the Lakers chances of getting a max guy this summer. I mean, it's still possible, but it's not, it's going to take them even more, you know, 
cap machinations. It's going to take them another trade to get it done. You know, so it's it's I, I think from the Pelicans' perspective, it's a no-brainer just to to want to put the deal through on July sixth. No, again, uh, this is why I brought you on, because that was another angle of this that I had not previously considered is like, you know, the fact that they have those picks. And so, of course, like even outside of being a competitor within a couple of years, because you think with Zion, one or two of these Lakers young guys will kind of pop on some degree. They'll have picks that maybe this number four one. So they might be able to build something competitive within the next couple of years. And but even outside of having to compete with the Lakers, they want those picks to be as good as possible. So they want the Lakers to be as bad as possible. And the Lakers signing Kyrie Irving or Kemba Walker or uh, Kawhi Leonard or whoever it may be is not in the best interest of that. So yeah, maybe, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see where it plays out because it definitely sounds like it's not a done, done deal yet. As far it sounds like the trade is done. It doesn't sound like the date is done yet. And so I'll be interested to see if the Lakers bend again, because my one thing, I, I agree with almost everything you're saying. And I agree that this was like kind of a price that the Lakers had to pay to get Anthony Davis. But I just felt like if you were going to give up this much, like that should have come with the understanding already that outside of just getting Anthony Davis, you're also getting this cap space. And like you said, maybe that doesn't matter to them. Maybe they back channeled and they know that they aren't getting any of these guys. And so that wasn't a huge sticking point for them. But I don't know. I just feel like you, you 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 don't negotiate against yourself. You have to negotiate against the market. And I don't think that the market dictated they, they needed to give up this much and not get at least get the max cap space in addition to Anthony Davis without it. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm down on the trade. This was obviously, this is a good trade for the Lakers. It's going to make them a lot better. It's probably their best chance to win a title within the next 10 years. But it's also like, it does not come without risks. And I don't know that it showed the most negotiating chops. I think the negotiating chops had very had, didn't have as much to do with what they were negotiating against from other teams. Like there were probably little bits of pressure from Boston, maybe from Portland, Denver, maybe from Brooklyn. You know, some of these other you know dark horse teams. Yeah, that, the potential that dark have, horses that might have popped up in the last few you know few days as the as the injuries to the Warriors happened. I think they were just negotiating against the clock in general. The fact that they didn't want to, you know, waste another year of LeBron's prime and the Pelicans could have easily just been like, all right, we'll just play it out. And like, you know, for the Pelicans, this obviously is much, much better for them, but like they had that sort of, the leverage was that the Pelicans could just wait and the Pelicans could just stop picking up the phone and just be like, you, you are under more time pressure than we are. Anthony Davis is a ticking time bomb for us because he's going to leave in free agency in 2020 but on your end, you're wasting. Are you willing to waste another year of LeBron's prime with a you bunch of kids? You have to figure something out by the end of the summer, basically. So your timeline yeah. is up sooner. Yeah, right. Like your your ticking time bomb is is closer to tick is closer to blowing up than ours is, and we're both under this pressure. But you're under more pressure than we are. So the Pelicans can be like, you've got to give us more, and that's sort of. I think that was the the sticking point in the negotiations. Obviously, I don't know because I wasn't in the yeah. no- negotiations and, you know, nothing like that. But that would be that would be where I would imagine that a, the, a major source of the, the Pelicans leverage came from. Yeah, no, I think that's fair to note. Um, I, I, uh, do you have any other thoughts on this trade? I think that we've kind of hit almost every angle of it. Like, I mean, Again, like this is this is a good day for the Lakers, regardless of little complications and stuff that makes it sound kind of worse than it is. They're still getting Anthony Davis and LeBron. And even if it's just those two and it's twenty three million dollars in cap space and they go sign like, you know, a couple good role players, it's going to be a little bit of a seller's market. So you may not be able to get as good of role players as you could have gotten for the same money last summer. But, um, you know, I, I think that this is still going to be 
Uh, This might end up being one of the rare win-win trades, like when it's all said and done, if the Lakers don't get really bad towards the end of this and end up giving up like a really, really juicy first rounder. Yeah, I mean, I think my my two sort of final wrap-up thoughts are that the, the extra cap space that they're not getting, if they just sort of went out on the market and were like, well, we're not going to get a max free agent, so we're willing to, to do this trade on July 6th, that doesn't give me a ton of confidence in their own confidence to like pick out role players who are good because $8.9 million is still $8.9 million that you can spend on a, on a good role player and you're going to need a lot of good role players. And that's sort of the one part of this now that they're, you know, pretty, not totally clearly, but you know, relatively close to clearly out of the max space derby. And they're not going to go for, you know, a max guy at this point with the $24 million roughly that they have, they're going to have to pick out the right role players. And like the only evidence that we have of them picking out role players didn't go that well, you know? So that's the, that's the side of this that would make me nervous as somebody who, you know, is in the organization of the Lakers, but doesn't necessarily have personnel control. You know, that would make me a little bit nervous that they're going to pick guys who don't fit or who, you know, have this, who just aren't, aren't good players like they did last year. Um, And then this, I think the second part of, you know, this this thing is, if I can remember, and now I'm not sure I can remember. No, well, so. I think on the as far as the role <laughs> players go, I would say I think a lot of that was Magic Johnson driving that. My understanding of the dynamic between him and Polinka was that, like, Polinka sort of came up with a menu for Magic Johnson to order off of. And Magic Johnson made, like, the final choice of what to do. And so... Like, I don't know that we can necessarily pin all of the free agency stuff on Rob over the last for last summer. I mean, maybe some of it's him and, you know, maybe he's totally incompetent or maybe he's worse. Um, But I don't know. Like, I'm not ready to go there yet just because it really seemed like magic was the one driving a lot of those free agency role playing choices. And I think that I mean, that's definitely a a good point, depending on how, you know, obviously how those decisions got made. We I don't know that from from where I sit. And that's. I mean, I think that gets into another thing that I've been thinking about about the Lakers, you know, 2018 summer, that they tried something different, you know, rather than going down the LeBron plus shooters route, rather than going down the everybody's got to shoot outside of LeBron, you know, and even LeBron is, is a pretty good shooter, but like outside of LeBron, we need real floor spacers. They decided to go in this they decided to look at the league and be like, okay, if everybody's going toward the shooting and the three-point shooting, dribble drive playmaking is where we want to go. And that's what they sort of tried to do. Obviously, the execution of that idea did not go very well, but the idea itself is is still interesting to me and whether they are sort of, they think the next frontier is five guys who can all dribble and pass and and you just sort of assume that everybody's going to be able to shoot eventually because that's sort of where the league is going that's an interesting idea to me. I don't, I don't know that that was their thinking that we want, you know, dribble drive playmakers, but if that was their thinking, obviously they executed it not particularly well. Those aren't the players that I would have targeted in that situation, but that was an interesting idea. And whether they continue that idea moving forward is a little bit interesting. I do think, I mean, you know, you're trying to win right now. I know the future might be toward having dribble drive playmakers who can shoot, 
but like right now you just need shooters like that's what you need right yeah now. like so, this isn't a lab we can't like you know they, they yeah. actually have to get results here and is it no and it was a fascinating thought experiment last year to be like well did they figure did they maybe figure something out you could kind of like if you squinted at it you could talk yourself into like you know maybe they maybe this really will be good for lebron because we did say that they needed to lessen his load and you know all this stuff but yeah that obviously did not work i, I would think that the fact that they just you know, got rid of Lonzo and Ingram in this trade and really wanted to keep Kuz, who's the lowest usage and most kind of like happy to quick triggered of any of the young guys would suggest to me that they are moving away from that, as well as the fact that, you know, I know Magic's not in charge anymore, but even he talked extensively about how throughout the year, they learned that that didn't work and that you need shooters. And, you know, again, he's not in the room making those calls anymore, but I do think that they're probably going to go after uh, more shooting and things like that. But we wouldn't really know because, and Frank Vogel's talked a lot about uh, the importance of shooting in the modern NBA and things like that. So I think they are going to pivot back towards, you know, uh, sanity this summer. Yeah, and I would expect them to do so based on in, on the comments that you just mentioned and just everything that happened over the last year. Obviously, whatever grand experiment they were trying to go with failed miserably. You know, with the with the vets that they brought in, they should pivot into another direction. But I did think that the idea of what they were trying to execute was a little bit more interesting than people just been sort of have given it credit for that people just went like, oh, the Lakers are idiots. They have no idea what they're doing. I think the idea might have been good, even if the execution was was. God awful, frankly. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Stay woke on the meme team. It was actually a great idea. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm with you. I, I last summer I tried to kind of think about it and see if there was something. And you know, obviously there ended up not being something there. But it, it was interesting that they tried it. They just can't do it again, like you said. Um, and I guess the only other thing that we have left to get to is I, I wanted to take a couple mailbag questions. This one was important, I felt like, to get to from Joe Deleuze. Uh, he asked, so if Anthony Davis does waive his $4 million, does that take the Lakers the $27 million to spend? And that was actually something that we didn't talk a lot about when we were talking about the cap space implications of this between the $32.5 million and the $23, was Anthony Davis does have a $4 million trade kicker that is a variable in here, and it sounds like he is not planning to waive. But like, how does that affect all of this in large part? That only affects the, the, the July 6th version of this trade. So if he decides that he does not want that trade bonus, then they, the, like, the Lakers do go up from 23.7 to 27.7 roughly. And so that would be great for them. They would obviously have a lot more money to spend. But if they had decided to push this trade until the uh, July 30th, they would not have gotten an extra $4 million dollars. To, to spend because they would have spent all their cap space based on their previous roster. And then he would have just, he would have taken his 4 million no matter what, because there would be no, and it would have just was, went over the tax or they, they would have just been over the cap at that point. And, and I don't, they wouldn't have hit, uh, hit the tax anywhere. I don't think they would have hit the tax with that 4 million, but they would have okay. been well over the cap at that point because That's they would have been the cap, not, not the tax. They would have been taken in that extra, you know, roughly $9 million that, that they're not going to be able to spend this summer. So if he were to decide if they were to go out there and decide, okay, these are our three $9 million free agents that we want to sign, then they go to Anthony Davis and be like, we really need that extra $4 million. Can you, will you waive this, this trade bonus? Here are the three guys that we want to sign. Here are the tangible results from that extra $4 million. That's the sort of, that's the benefit that they're getting, even by just waiting until July 6th, which is the earliest they can possibly do this trade. They can negotiate one, two, three, four contracts between July 1st and July 6th, and then go to Anthony Davis and be like, hey, if you give us that extra 4 million back, 
these are the this is the the winning piece. These are the winning players that we can put around you. And if you don't, then we're going to lose one of those guys. And so you know, will are you willing to to play ball with us? And so you know, you have to hope that at that point that he would be interested in doing that. I would imagine right now, given where he is in his, you know, his leverage with the Lakers, he has no reason to be like, of course I'll give you $4 million back. No, that's exactly what I was going to say. That makes sense for him to not leak right now. Yeah, of course I'm willing to give that up. Like, why would he say that he's willing to give that up? If you do it later, then you look like you made the right decision and you care about winning. But if they can't go get those guys, then losing the 4 million does nothing for you. Right. And he doesn't have to make that decision until July 6th anyway, so he can see what they're going to do. So, you know, from from that perspective, they will get that extra four million dollars if he decides to to waive that trade bonus. If not, then they're stuck at twenty three point seven and they they can work with what they have at that point. Okay, well, that's good to know. Uh, I I think I hope that this has been infor- as informative for all of our listeners as it was for me, Jeff, because I appreciate you first helping me out this morning when I was trying to write up that story on this. And like, I am, I'm just not a cap guy. That's just not what I do. And I try to not like, like I was tweeting yesterday after the trade went down. I am thrilled to not have to pretend like I know anything about the draft for the next couple of years, because I just don't like having to pretend that I know things that I don't know. There are things that I know and like the cap is not my level of expertise. So I really appreciate you coming on here. Where can people find you on Twitter and where can they find uh, your work at the 10 million sites that you do different work at? <laughs> you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JG Siegel. I'm sure it'll be in the links to the show notes or whatever the, the post that goes up on Silver Screen and Roll and, and on the, the, the tweet will probably tag me as well. But you can follow me on, on Twitter there. You can follow me on Twitter at Early Bird Rights as well. Earlybirdrights.com is your home for everything salary cap based. If you want to know where the Lakers are as soon as they make another trade or as soon as they, they you know, solidify this this trade or as soon as they solidify another signing on July 1st, even though the, tra- the the signing won't actually go through until July 6th, everything is updated within minutes of things that ha- are reported in real time. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you do it so quickly. It's honestly like kind of incredible. It's all I built it out to be all automated. So literally, I just put in like LeBron James four year max contract for the Lakers and it just goes and that's the site automatically updates. I don't have to go in and do anything other than that. So that's the secret behind it is that I that makes it a lot easier. (laughs) I spent a few months like literally building from scratch a, a workbook that simulates the cap and then it makes it super easy to just fire things out really quickly. So that's where you can find all of that information if you're interested in other teams. That's where you can find, you know, the other teams cap information, trade, you know, trade information. Everything is up there. I, I write articles there. I mean, every day in June, I'm doing a, a an off-season preview series. My draft board will go up on Tuesday. I've got free agency rankings. I've got a 2,500 word analysis of the the Anthony Davis trade that we were, we've just, you know, spent about an hour talking about. So I've got that up there as well. Earlybirdrights.com is your home for all the uh, the offseason stuff. That's my that's my specialty. I really enjoy the draft and free agency, so that's where you you can find a lot of that stuff. All the other sites I work for, Peachtree Hoops. If you're somehow interested in the Atlanta Hawks, if you're a Lakers fan, I have no idea why you would be, but the Atlanta Hawks are kind of interesting. Trey Young's kind of fun. He's probably a future Laker in a lot of your minds. He's. Uh, I'm sure you know, there exists a Lakers jersey photoshopped onto him somewhere. That is what I've There's a Lakers there's jersey photoshopped onto everybody. And every so, single player. Uh, so, you know, the Hawks are interesting. If you, you want to uh, read about them over at Petri Hoops, I write for uh, Dime Magazine, the basketball writers, Forbes.com, Blazers Edge every other week. I think that's everything. 
Earlybrights.com. Okay. So yeah, just follow me on Twitter. That's where everything uh, gets posted. So make sure that you got that you all check all that out. Again, Jeff, I'm really glad I was able to get you on. I remember, I think it was it was when the Hawks were playing the Lakers earlier this year. It was before the trade deadline, I think. And I was telling you outside the arena as we were walking in, I was like, oh, we're gonna have to have you on soon to talk about like the Anthony Davis trade stuff. And you know, we just had to wait like six months, and we finally got you on here. Yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, it took a while. It was not uh, not as quick as we expected it to be in in late January when we were hanging out at the uh, at the Lakers Hawks game. But it happened. You know, Anthony Davis is a Laker, and and as much as they gave up, and as much as they gave up in terms of usable cap space and picks and all that, like the the bottom line is is the seventh best player in the world is 26 years old, and he's a Laker for this year and probably five more after that, and so. That's the the bottom line of the of the entire of the entire trade. Yeah, and so that like again, that's a great thing for the Lakers, and uh, you know, like regardless of any long term minor concerns, this could end up being a whole lot of, like much ado about nothing, and they could end up signing great role players this summer with the cap space that they end up having. They could be good for the next several years, and uh, like maybe none of the future picks end up mattering, or at least not mattering significantly. Maybe some of them aren't even good enough to be worth swapping with New Orleans, and so you know, maybe all of this works out perfectly for the Lakers. There's still a chance and the fact that that is like on the table is a good thing after any deal especially after things looked like kind of dire at the trade deadline and it looked like the team was kind of flailing around desperately so like good news is good news for the lakers at this point after the year that they just had um i am harrison fagan you can follow me on twitter at hm fagan you can subscribe to this show if you enjoyed it and this was your first time listening on itunes spotify stitcher or google podcast just search the silver screen and roll podcast sasha and i will be back wednesday morning with a new episode i'm sure that there will be more crazy developments before then because that's just how this offseason has been and we will talk to you then. <laughs>